Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 140 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. It's been a little while. Um, last time we got together was... Before before Blackpool, wasn't it, Lee? I think last time we spoke, and obviously before Dynamo Kiev, and I went went away for a couple of weeks. Um, missed the Chelsea game, unfortunately. Um, but I'm back as of as of today, sitting here with uh, jet lag now setting in. I'm a little bit tired, but uh, we've got a, we've got a lot to discuss. It's been a busy, busy time for Everton. Uh, obviously, the Premier League season kicked off last week against Chelsea. We've had new players come through the door. There's more players linked again as we speak today uh, in the striker department. So loads to discuss. Um, and you're going to tell the listeners, mate, where have you been? You've been to uh, you've been wrestling with a few Gators in uh, like like the <laughs> Scouts version yeah. of Steve Irwin, Steve Irwin in uh, Florida, aren't you? In the air, in the Everglades and all that. Um, I'm one of those big big fan boats. Yeah, if, if only. Um, no, just just listen, listen. Just a uh, little, little two weeks away. It's uh, taking a while to get there because of COVID. And, what have you? But two weeks over in, in Orlando, which has been nice. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot to do, lot going on. Uh, food poison as well, just just to to really make it a memorable holiday, which was a bit of a um, a bit of a, a poor experience. But listen, it was it was a good two weeks, and back now refreshed. Uh, if you can be when you go to Florida, because everyone who's been and does all the parks will know how, how busy your time is when you go over there. But back now, Everton. You know, great, great to, to see us busy, which is I was I was keeping a close eye on things while I was over there. Obviously, with the the signings and watched the Chelsea game over over in in Orlando as well. Um, no better place to start the really, is it than, than than the Chelsea game? To be honest, obviously you, you were there. You took my my ticket for the game. Um, and although we've we've, we've come away with a one 0 defeat, there, there was plenty plenty of positives I thought to take from the game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think that was the general consensus speaking to people around me as well, mate. Um, it was a weird sort of game. It was quite a bitty game, and uh, both teams sort of lacked that bit of cutting edge at front. You know, a bit toothless, really. Um, you know, Chelsea, as expected, same when we played them towards the end of last season when we had that big win. You know, had most of the ball. They knocked it around nice. Their movement off the ball was decent. You know, we know they're going. That you know, we could pretty much have predicted that before. And, um. But they, you know they didn't really get through. As you know, I, I must give massive credit to Frank and the team there. You know that they, they, they've clearly looked at areas where we've been vulnerable. You know, and we have been vulnerable. Let's be honest. You know, we've been really soft at times in games, haven't we? Where the teams have got through us too easily. But we looked really solid. It was only really a lapse of concentration at the end of the first half, and that killed us really. And, and in all fairness, you know, I'm sure most people agree. Really, Decore's obviously got wrong side, switched off. Um, and you know he probably didn't even really need to put anything on him. Mina was coming across there, you know what I mean. And, and obviously, you know, Chilwell would have had to have got a snapshot off. He probably would have just toe poked it or something, because obviously Mina was coming over, like I said. So it was a bit, it was just annoying that we gave away. That was un- really the difference between the two sides, wasn't it? Was the pen? Um, I think it was relatively even. Other than that, you know, we had a couple of breakaway moments. 
Um, I wanted to mention as well, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm sure we can talk about this, but it was clear, obviously, Lee's, you know, Frank had been preparing this team with Dominic Calvert-Lewin in mind, isn't he, at the start of the season. Everything's been shaped to sort of build the team around Dom in terms of getting crosses in and people like that, you know, with Patterson out wide, McNeil on McNeil, you know, McLean, Vinagre obviously loves the cross. I think, you know, Vinagre and Patterson seem to have a really good cross on them, don't they? So it's nice to have two full-backs for a change that are good at putting in crosses on both sides. Um, and, uh, you know, that's clearly destroyed his plans, you know, Dom, Dom pulling up in, in training. And he had a choice, didn't he, whether to go with Dali Ali through the middle and play like a false nine with maybe Gordon off him or something, or go with obviously out and out pace. And he went obviously with Gray and Gordon. And I can look, I can see the logic in that, you know what I mean? Because when we caused Chelsea problems at the end of last season, it was primarily down to the fact that we, you know, if you look at the goal that came from us pressing them high with pace and intensity, wasn't it? And Delhi isn't pace and intensity, is he? You know, Delhi sort of plays the game at his own pace. He's almost like Berbatov style, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's very good technically. Um, and I, I can see the logic in him thinking, well, look, pace will, you know, get pace in and around Thiago Silva, for example, get him turned, running towards their own goal. And, it, it, you know, they just didn't quite have the nous, did they, those two, particularly Gordon, in terms of uh, being able to play that role up front. And in the end, it's cost us, sadly. Uh, it was a lot of endeavour. We just completely lacked that cutting edge and, you know, clearly showed that we obviously need to get someone in with Dom being out. Uh, whether that's Brozier or Dennis or, you know, we've been linked with Gressy, haven't they, uh, recently as well. We just definitely need someone there because I think we really lack that cutting edge, don't you think? Massively so. I, th- I think it was quite obvious, really, wasn't it? You know, a lot of plaudits for us defensively and rightly so. You know, we faced 16 corners and I, th- I thought we defended all 16 very, very well. You know, set- they had a few free kicks out wide as well, Chelsea, which I thought, again, we defended well. And, and that's that's because of you know the, the players who have who have come in, of course. Uh, James Tarkowski, is a, you know, we say it time and again, he's a leader. He's used to that kind of defending, if you like, uh, from his time with Burnley. Um, and also, I thought when he came on, Mason Holgate did, did particularly well. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you can see there's, there's been a lot of work done on the training ground. I think over the course of the preseason uh, and in the build-up to that particular game, we, we knew that was a, a real weakness of ours, especially you know. Even you know, since Frank Lampard has come in, we've been poor, very, very poor, and conceded a lot of goals from set pieces. So it was nice to see us look comfortable. And to be fair, defensively, I thought we did, we did well all game. But like you say, it's that cutting edge, you know, not having a central striker. The, the system that Frank Lampard is is building or he's using at this moment in time is very much built for a Dominic Calvert-Lewin and it's to utilise a bit of pace on the flanks and, you know, to, to utilise him in holding the ball up you know, as a as a pressure release when we need it, especially against this kind of side, you know, where we, we give up and quite a bit of possession over the course of the game. We need to have somebody up there to, when we need to go long, to just bring it down, you know, with a free kick, knock the ball off short and then and then go again. And, you know, we, we were doing it to Anthony Gordon and it just was never going to work, you know, and that's not Anthony Gordon's fault. It's just, it's just not going to work. And, like you say, there's been a lot of links to strikers. Um, there's even more today. I mean, just before we started recording, Tay Adams apparently were in for him um, on a loan um, with a view to buy. So what's the space on that one? Uh, we'll discuss that shortly anyway. But you could see the gap. You could see where we needed to improve. You could see, obviously, where we, we still haven't dipped our toe into the market for a striker just yet. And, and that's really important now with Dom obviously being out for the length of time he's out for about around six weeks or so. There's a lot of games in six weeks. You know, we need to have somebody up there. We can't go into every game doing what we did against Chelsea, looking good defensively, but not having any cutting edge up top. Totally agree, yeah. Totally agree. I thought the fence was outstanding, like you said. Tarkovsky, seen him in the flesh. He's a really big lad, mate. He's He talks a lot. You can see that. He will improve other defenders around him, and he's already showing that already. You know what I mean? Because he's clearly a leader, like you said, he's a natural leader. He won a lot of headers. He was strong in the tackle. Obviously, the goal was an absolute farce in a way because obviously, you know, Sterling's gone down without anyone near him. Should have been arguably a free kick towards a yellow card. Obviously, the referee's given a free kick to them. The next phase of play has led to the goal, isn't it? So, you know, how far do you go back on VAR? But you know, anyway, enough about that. But, but yeah. Um, 
yeah, there, there's a lot of positives to take. Tarkovsky being one, like you said, Holgate did well when he came on. Uh, I thought Patterson, that formation really suits him. You know, in terms of his strengths are obviously going forward, traveling with the ball, being aggressive in the tackle. You know, being aggressive, full stop, and just pushing forward. He was arguably one of the contenders for man of the match, uh, Patterson. You know, he's got a really good delivery on him as well. He had a bit of a spat with Chilwell. I quite like that. You know what I mean? It's his Premier League debut and Chilwell's obviously an international. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't in, you know, in fear of him whatsoever. You know what I mean? He, he, was, he was prepared to give it back to him. And I thought Patterson was outstanding. Um, I thought Iwobi in the middle, they obviously played a pivot of two sixes there, really, didn't they? I thought Iwobi and Decore played well. Particularly Iwobi, I thought Iwobi was, you know, his energy across the pitch, his ability to trap back. He, you know, he, he basically backed himself to be Sterling on so many occasions for pace, and you know, he, he was he was outstanding there. And when he had the ball, he used it really well. You know, we know he's a good passer of the ball. He likes to obviously thread the ball through the lines, and you know, I thought he was outstanding really in the centre of the park there. And Frank obviously rightly gave him plaudits after the game. Um, you know, and and. You know, I thought, as I said, Vinagre, when he came on, you know, he looks like he's going to be a slightly different player to Mikolenko, doesn't he? He's, he's less defensive orientated. Obviously, Frank's brought him on there to maybe try and get forward and Mikolenko stepped into that left centre-back role, which I think, you know, he acquitted himself well as well. So, overall, there was just lots of positives. Like you said, it just we just lacked that, like you said, Dom, Dom, or, you know, like we had with Charleston last year. I mean, it can't be exemplified more in that first half where... Gray cut in on his right foot from the left-hand side, whipped in a great ball. Anthony's found a bit of space between the centre-halves, and he's closed his eyes, hasn't he? he, he you know, if that's Dom yeah. there, fine. You know what I mean? He's headed that like a bullet. It's probably in, isn't it? You know what mm. I mean? And it's obviously right on his head as well. It's, you know, Gray's put, whipped in a great, great uh, delivery, and, he, you know, it's he, gone over his head. You know what I mean? And he could have easily got it. He just, he's obviously just closed his eyes, like you said, and, you know, that's, that's what I mean. A top striker there buries that. You know, and I genuinely think, I don't know what you think, but I genuinely think if Dom plays in that game, we get at least a draw in that match. I, I genuinely think that. I think we would have carried enough of a threat to to warrant, uh, you know, score, scoring at least a goal in that game, definitely. Um, and we just lacked that real striker's cutting edge. I mean, you saw that finish, I don't know if you've seen it over the weekend, from Callum Wilson, have you seen it, where he, the outside yeah. of his foot? I mean, that's not even half a chance, is it? But because he's obviously a very good finisher, he's a natural forward. You know what I mean? He's buried it, hasn't he? And that, and that's won them the game. They were one nil up, and that's won them the game. That's the difference. And and I think that's what we really lack. We really lack that cutting edge uh, at top. Like I said before. Yeah, we did, and obviously we said, you know, and, and everyone who's, who's looked at the game, pundits, whatever it might be, have already made the point that that's that, that's the, the position within within that side that we really need to look at. And we are, you know, we are we are busy. Yeah, we we, we certainly got our fingers in many parts when it comes to looking for a, a striker, that's for sure. Um and we will discuss discuss that shortly. But before we obviously finish the Chelsea game, well there was a couple of obviously negatives from the game. Obviously the defeat, but then the the awful injury to, to Ben Godfrey you just couldn't write it, you know, was it ten minutes into the new season and Ben Godfrey, you know, particularly tackle after his, his his own mistake, and and has broken broken his uh, his fibula. Obviously, even worse was the fact the ball was actually out uh, went went behind for the corner. The line, you know, when it wasn't just you know half a yard, it was a good two or three yards over. The, the linesman's not even picked it up. Plays carried on. Godfrey's then made that tackle, which he, he would never had to, and obviously that happens. And obviously later on in the game, we we see you know Mina yet again. You know, breaks down, uh, ankle injury, doesn't look particularly good, according to the manager. And it puts us two centre-halves down. And two centre-halves, obviously, who started the game, who Frank Lampard sees as, you know, two of his main centre-halves. And, you know, it causes us yet again issues in the short to medium term from from both a transfer, transfer perspective, because we've had to, you know, whether we were going to or not, we had to dip our, our toe in the transfer market in regards to a centre-half. But also, as well, if, if we were looking to sell, say, Yerry Mean or even Michael Keane or what have you, you've got to look at that again now because of the fact that we've got we've got two centre-halves injured for, you know, I mean, Godfrey's three months. God knows how long Yerry Mean is going to be. You know, we, he, he could be less longer. Who knows? Yeah, the two blows they were, particularly the, particularly the uh, Godfrey one, mate. I mean... I was sitting in your seat, like you said. Normally, I'm obviously uh, in in the upper bullions, but you're obviously you're in the paddock with your 
season ticket, aren't you? And um, he was right in line. I was pretty much not far from the linesman. And then as soon as the ball got played by Godfrey, he's obviously played it blind. It was a poor back pass. Pickford's obviously tried to retrieve it and keep it in, which is natural. But it was clearly, like you said, a good two or three yards out. I could see that from the seat, and I wasn't directly in line with it. So, but as as we've we've spoke about this since, but you know, it's that classic. The linesman doesn't want to flag it because in his head he'll be thinking, "Well, VAR will check that. Let the next phase of play run." It's like the offside thing, isn't it? When clearly, it's, you know, sometimes you know the guy's clearly offside, but the linesman doesn't raise his flag until obviously the play stopped. Yeah, you know I mean, and then that next phase is finished. It's pathetic because guess what? When when you do that, something can happen. It's only a matter of time before someone gets injured. And that's exactly what's happened here. The ball's clearly gone out. Pickford's tried to keep it in. And Jordan, in fairness, should have actually said, once he's kicked it straight to Havertz, he should have basically said himself, it's gone, didn't he? He should have basically just stopped. Because then they would, you know, Havertz could have put it in the net, but then they would have taken it for a corner, wouldn't they? You know, Pickford should have just stopped as well instead of engaging the player or, or certainly looking like it's still, you know, play on. And obviously Godfrey, as a result of that, ends up thinking, well, I've got to make the tackle now. And as Godfrey, as we know, he is he loves he loves to you know to, to to put a tackle in. And let's be fair, it was a fantastic tackle. He got the ball, then clashed into the man, and his foot's just got caught, hasn't it? It's got caught in the ground, uh, and it looked horrific. And I, and I feel for him in a way because officials have you know they've got to be doing their jobs. If that official puts the line uh, flag up straight away, referee sees it, even if he's got you know ear, earpiece on, stops the game, corner. Godfrey doesn't tackle. You know, it's still a good five, six seconds before Godfrey puts that tackle in after it going out of play. Yeah, you know I mean, so he could, he would have eased. And look, he wasn't to know he was going to break his leg, of course. But that's what I mean. This is the problem with this rule where you don't raise a flag because they think well, VAR will bail us out. Yeah, you know I mean, and and it, 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 I said to a couple of the lads around me saying that was definitely out. Wanted, did you see that was out? And a few of them said, oh, I couldn't see properly, but I clearly saw it was definitely out. And it, and you know, it turned out to be the case. It was miles out. Yeah, you know I mean, someone in the Gladys could have bloody thrown it back. Yeah, you know I mean, so to be fair, it was a bad decision, and it's resulted in us losing, you know, our centre half. Really, let's be honest, uh, our only centre half with any real pace, isn't it? You know what I mean? And, and that's why he's in the three because Godfrey, you've got Tarkovsky was obviously an out and out defender. You had Mina was obviously a similar mould, you know, out and out defender. And Godfrey's your pace. So if anything, anything, if we play a high line, any team trying to get in behind us, he's the guy like Carl Walker for City, isn't he? He's the one that's going to be covering. Or sweeping up, sweeping up behind it. So that'll be a blow for Frank. Really will. I mean, Mina's a blow as well. But I mean, we we know Mina's just like, you know, God, you, you know, he's worse than Owen Argreaves, isn't he? You know, I mean, he's constantly on the bloody uh, treatment table. And you know, his injury was farcical that like he's rolled his ankle there. If he just rolls that back with his left foot, by the way, instead of trying to run round it on his right foot, he doesn't do his ankle. You know what I mean? He was ridiculous. But anyway, he's done it. Um, and we knew that he was going to be out. We just didn't know it was going to be within 60 minutes of the first game of the season. So, but yeah, I don't know what you thought of the Godfrey one. I just, I just thought it was just bad officiating again. Um, I don't want to get on the officials over and over again because it's an easy thing to do. But when things like that happen and you lose, you know, arguably a relatively key player because of an incident that could have been prevented, it's just a, sh- it's just a joke, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's it, it obviously it's frustrating, and everyone at the time I noticed on on social media uh, was obviously picked up on it, and a lot of blame was then levelled towards towards the officials. And you know, in that situation, it, it's correct; it could have been avoided. Um, obviously, it's a freak, it's a freak incident, isn't it? You know, you you can't foresee the fact he's going to throw a tackle and then break his leg. But if you do your job correctly, then it doesn't get to that particular point. Um, but you know. Craig Porter, wasn't it? You know, he's for me. He's a, he's a poor referee. I mean, you look at the whole game. Sterling was at times not being touched, going down, winning free kicks, and you know, it, it, there was there was um, one occasion. Was it where was it? Patterson gives someone a, the smallest of shoves. It wasn't a free kick anywhere on the pitch, and he blows up, and you just think it just. It, some sometimes you just don't stand the chance with certain officials and. That, that was him, you know, it's day one, week one of the Premier League, and, and he's out, he says his stall out early there to to basically to be to be crap again this season. So we, we look forward to welcoming him back to Goodison Park in the in the near future. Um but you know, I think it's really, really important that we do look at the positives. We, we we highlight the positives and we focus on them because you know it wasn't doom and gloom. Atmosphere was great, you know, the the reception for the players was fantastic. 
Um, and it was just, you know, okay, disappointing not to get something from the game. You could argue we deserved the points. I'd, I'd probably say we did on a balance of play, to be honest. Um, but it is what it is. Um, and we, we now we now move forward to to obviously Aston Villa on Saturday, which is another another big game, first away game of the season. Um, well, one thing but, I wanted to mention quickly, mate, was I don't know whether you saw. Obviously, you watched the game over in the states, but Deli Ali had a big chance second half, didn't he? Mm. Uh, Patterson again aggressive. You know, uh, got in between uh, the fullback and the centre half. Um, arguably, could have had a shot, by the way, um, but obviously decided to square it for Delhi, and, and it was a good ball. I mean, Delhi there, a sharp Delhi there hits that probably first time. Uh, an even sharper Delhi realizes the full picture of the situation and doesn't overmate. If he dummies that pass, right? If he dummy, if you look at it, if he dummies that and steps over it. Uh, Gray's right behind him and Gray just rolls it into an empty net because uh, obviously like um, Thiago Silva's come across to engage Delhi, and Delhi's obviously trying to take a touch as soon as he's taken a touch he's on him and he, he's on him straight away and obviously you know uh, watching Thiago Silva in the flesh I said to you before like you know he's 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 uh, you know I don't want to say a joy to watch because the opposition but you can see he just reads the game so so well yes he's protected in a three obviously at the back but he just reads the game so so well, mate. He was ahead of it, that you know, in terms of um, our strikers, so so many times, like in terms of reading the situation. But but anyway, if Delhi doesn't over there, like I said, uh, if you look at it again, it's a tap in for Gray, and that's what you needed—just that little bit of quality. You know, what I mean, like I said, a, a lethal finisher there. I'm not saying Dom's a lethal finisher, by the way, but you know, you, like I said, with Callum Wilson before, you know, they bury that, don't they? They either hook it in the corner or they basically step over, like I said, and then it's a tap in for the guy behind him. So it was devastating there in that respect that we didn't take that chance because that was a good chance. Um, and I think, you know, uh, what do you call it? McNeil came in for a bit of stick on some quarters of fans, not on the ground, by the way, but on social media. I thought he played all right for his debut. He worked hard. Uh, everyone like, oh, yeah, he's at, he hasn't got any pace. Well, we all knew that. We all, I don't know what people were suddenly expecting. We all knew he, no, he hasn't got pace, but what you could see live, he's got a lovely technique, he's got a nice left foot, um, you know, and obviously he's working his way up in terms of fitness. People criticise the sub because Gray had a shocker and saying, that, why has McNeil come off instead of Gray? But McNeil clearly couldn't have played 90 minutes um, and obviously took him off, but I thought he played all right on his day. But he got into a couple of good spots on the edge of the box as well. He tried to reverse one for Decore and again, Thiago's read it and he, and he, again, he was in a position there on his left foot. He scored a world, he didn't he, in the friendly the other week, McNeil. Have a dig. He's clearly got mm. a good strike on him. Have a dig there. A couple of times it opened up for him and he, and he went to pass it. You know, have a dig. You never know. You know, that comes off the defender's shins or whatever and, and wrong foots the keeper. It, it, you know, it would have been a clever reverse to Decore, but, you know, it, it's just a bit too, a bit too finicky, that for me. Just get a shot off. You know, there was a game of few chances. Get some shots off. Um, so yeah, overall, um, there was lots of positives to be taken, and if we can just sort out that you know that front line, I think you know that gives it bodes well, doesn't it, for the season? It really does for me. I mean, it, you know, providing we don't get loads of injuries again, um, it does bode well, uh, and I feel a lot more confident that Frank has and his team have clearly looked at the weaknesses where we were in terms of you know not just physically in the team but mentally as well. We didn't we lacked leaders. We've been saying that for years, haven't we, on this podcast? He's brought in two leaders now. Um, and then obviously as well, he's addressed you know, the, the midfield now as well uh, in terms of physicality and pace and power. So, you know, credit credit where it's due, massive credit where it's due there. And, and hopefully that'll bode well for the for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and obviously since since then, we, we've had a couple of signings confirmed, which in my opinion, it are really positive steps and, and, and really good acquisitions for what we actually need. And we're going to discuss them after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. And it's it's onto transfers. Like I said, busy week in, in terms of transfers for Everton. Um the first one through the door came out of nowhere, to be honest with you. Um that was the signing of of Connor Cody, there was there was murmurings, wasn't it? Was it late on last week? So over the course of the weekend about about Connor Cody, um, and obviously with the injuries that we saw suffered by by Ben Godfrey and, and Yerry Mina, whether that then ramped up talks between Everton and Wolves, I don't know. Uh, but Connor Cody through the door, um, 
was it Sunday? Sunday he was announced, wasn't he? And we, we all thought it was going to be Amadou Anana first. He was in the crowd against Chelsea, um, just waiting to get a couple of things signed off by, by Lille. But Connor Cody really, really moved quickly and, and was confirmed as an Everton player on Sunday, um, which, was, which was really exciting to see. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, he was, he comes out on, on his, his first interview. I think he spoke really, really well. Um, obviously, we know he's a, he's a Liverpool fan. Um, although some people saying he was an Everton fan, judging by pictures that, that were, were brought out of the woodwork from, from when he was a kid. Um, but listening to him, knowing what he's like as a, as a footballer, from what I've seen of him over the, the, the last few years in the Premier League with Bulls, um, understanding a bit about his character, I think, Lee, it's, it's another real positive step in terms of getting a sign into the club that fits exactly what we need at this moment in time. I agree with you. I think it's a cracking sign. I really do. Um, you know, he's, 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 you're right, he spoke fantastically well. Um, clearly wanting to get that in earlier, how passionate he is about wanting to play for the club and, and everything else. Um, and, you know, he's missed, I think I think I read he's missed one league game in four years or something like that in terms of, uh, and I think the only reason he missed that as well was due to isolation because of COVID or something. Yeah, COVID, yeah. He yeah. said didn't he, so, in his interview he was absolutely um, devastated and saying his hair up because he, he had to miss a game because of COVID. So it, that shows you what kind of character he is as well. Well, yeah, exactly. And it tells you about his durability. Both him and Tarkovsky have obviously been very durable. It's like the opposite end of Yerry Mina, isn't it? You know what I mean? So I think um, that I think those two at the back, uh, whether we play in a in a in a three or a two, um, you know, will really add experience. And as I said, they'll improve those around them. I think they'll have a massive effect on Holgate, definitely, because obviously, you know, they'll be talking to him constantly. They, they won't let him get away with stuff, you know, when he likes to do kamikaze stuff sometimes that he does. Um, and I, I just think I think he'll they'll prove to be very two very shrewd signings them two, um, and as I said the durability is one of the factors, but also the fact they're both leaders. Uh, Connor's a very good passer of the ball, like 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 obviously Tarkovsky is as well, um, and I think it's a, it's a very shrewd sign. Now it's interesting that Wolves are letting him go because they're reverting from a a large is reverting from a a, a back five to a, a three at the back to two at the back, isn't he? So about four, so. Uh, whether he can play in the four, they obviously maybe don't, don't quite rate him as highly in the four, maybe. So that'll be interesting to see what, what Frank does with that. Um, I do think with the personnel we've got at full-back currently, I think the five suits us, by the way, like I said, uh, particularly for Patterson, um, you know, that really allows him to get forward, which is his strength. Um, so it will be interesting to see how he sets us up. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's a very cute signing. OK, yes, he's 29, but we've also signed players at the younger end of the market. So I, you know, Frank did say, didn't he? And, Al, and and you know, when we were being linked with the likes of Barkley and Winks and Gilmore's, we were all a bit sort of, you know, geez, oh, that doesn't excite me really. That, uh, you know, we were looking at the sort of cheap end of the market loans and sort of next to nothing in freebies. Um, and yet, you know, he said he clearly said, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago? Um, you know, judges at the end of the window clearly said that. I think it was after one of the results in America. He clearly said, judges at the end of the window then make your final decision. And, and to be fair, you know, we so far, you've got to say, it's been a very, really, really strong window. We've, Like I said before, he's had half a season with the players. He's identified where the weaknesses are. And he's pretty much filled a lot of those gaps. You know, like I said, we're only really, uh, you know, a, a striker slash winger slash forward away from having a really, really strong window, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, we, we, we spoke about the this window and, how it could be frustrating, um, a difficult one for us because we, we've got to obviously make sure we get a big sale, which we got early um, in, in the Charles and Spurs. So we, we thought it wasn't going to pan out probably how it has so far. And if we're being honest, we, you know, it, it, it's going. It's going really well. What, what we'd like to see, as we've already said, is, is a striker come through the door. Um, that, that I think is, well, it is, it's absolutely vital going forward that we, that we sort that out. Um, and obviously, we need to probably see two or three outgoings as well, you know, to, to, to get some some funds back in for, for fringe players who now, obviously, if you look at players that we've brought in and positions that we've strengthened, we, we can probably afford to let certain 
certain players go as well. So it's it's got all the makings of a really strong window if we can just cap it off with with that striker and, and get it used to go and get over the line. And I think all Everton fans would be delighted with with the window if that's what happens and that's what we come out with. And you know, I think look at the centre half now with the injuries that we've got. You know, Michalenko was he slotted in in the in the three against Chelsea uh, late on when when Vanagre came on. So that's always an well, option. He's a converted centre back. He is, yeah. Back. So yeah. It, it, that's an option. He can play there. You know, you've obviously got Cody, uh, Sarkowski, Holgate. I still think there's the you know Michael Keane might might move on. I really do. I still think that 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 is that is possible. The fact he didn't come on at the weekend as well suggests that maybe maybe Frank Lampard is is thinking now he's and this is only me by the way reading in between the lines. Maybe he hasn't he hasn't got the the character potentially. Um, and he's one player that, that he, he may look to, look to move on, but it'd be interesting that it'd be interesting that because I think we, you know, we were well stocked, but don't forget we lost two at the weekend in one match. Yeah. So suddenly, let's say, God forbid, we're talking about the durability of obviously the new two new centre backs. If one of them suddenly gets injured or Holgate, then suddenly you, you know, you're pretty light all of a sudden, aren't you? You know what I mean? So, I yeah, do yeah, think, right, I think if it wasn't for those injuries. I do think the likes of Keane possibly would have gone. Possibly, I know West Ham was sniffing around Holgate apparently. So, yeah, I do think you're right. But I think now, now will be certainly until January. I think that he'll probably want to keep the likes of Keane and that you know around the squad um, purely because you know the, the games of up until the World Cup, we're playing something like some like 18, 19 games, aren't we? Yeah, you know I mean, so we're going to need to rotate there as well. Um, you know, certainly, maybe for the early early rounds of the cup, etc. You know what I mean? So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does there. You're right. Um, I, I, if a good offer comes in, obviously you'll probably look at it. But I just I just think he'll probably look to keep him until January now. I think. Yeah, but he's, he's going. I mean, he's going to find himself I think way down the pecking order. And and if if Godfrey and Mina worth it, then I think like like you say, it'd be nailed on that that he'd probably look to. Look to move on, uh, because I think Holgate will. I think at the weekend, I think we'll see a three of Cody, Tarkowski, and Holgate. You need some someone with pace, and, and obviously at the moment, Holgate that is is that man. Um, but no, I think Cody, Cody, very very good acquisition. Um, loved the way he spoke. I thought the, the interview that he that he did. Uh, it was Monday he signed actually, um, not Sunday, but it's it's been it's been so so quick and so close together. You lose Saturdays. Um, I just thought he spoke really, really well, and 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 he, he can see that he wants to be here. You know, obviously it's great for him. His family's around the corner. He's he, he's from the Merseyside area. His his lad is you know he's he's a Finch farm. His five year old training, which which is great. Um, so obviously fantastic for him. Uh, but we've got we've got a real, I think a real quality centre half there, uh, and someone who who others can learn off between him and Tarkowski. That like you said earlier on, that will help. Holgate, even Michalenko, when he's coming in and play, having to play centre half, it'll really help those those younger lads and the more inexperienced players, you know, learn off 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 two seasoned professionals. So, I was delighted when when that one was, was announced. Say really really quick, great bit of business there by by the club to get that loan done. And then the player that we thought was going to be announced first this week, uh, as I say, in the crowd against Chelsea, another one which. Moved quickly, didn't they? You know, um, Amadou Anana was was going to West Ham by all accounts. There was a deal agreed between West Ham and Lille, and then all of a sudden, Everton came in from not not from nowhere. There was incest. There's been incest, but it was you know we came in and almost gazumped West Ham. And the player himself said, "There's only one place that he wanted to go," which was not again nice to hear. Twenty years of age. Obviously, it's a big price tag. Uh, but the down payment isn't big. A lot of the the money is also based on um, appearances and, and bonuses and winning trophies and things like that. So it's it's not in the grand scheme of things. And the fact it's on a long term deal as well, it's 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 a really good deal we've got ourselves there for a player. You know that Roberto Martinez has, has, has basically said he's he's potentially the hottest prospect. In Europe, so how excited are you to, to to see what he can do as he develops and progresses in the Premier League? Well, mate, it's definitely an upgrade from Billy Gilmore, isn't it? <laughs> so, so I mean, you know, we we've been, like I said before, we've been saying for age, we need someone in the middle of the park, pace and power, 
you know, this lad seems to have got that in abundance. You know, looking at some of the clips of him, he clearly likes to put a tackle in. He's aggressive. Got that almost like early early vibes of Patrick Vieira in him. He's very tall, isn't he? He looks very good technically. Um, obviously, since then, we've seen reports coming out. You know, Martinez has had a good word with him, apparently, obviously, because he's Belgian. Senegalese born, isn't he? But Belgian. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, Roberto's probably put in a good word for us, so fair play to him. Um, he was obviously describing him as phenomenal, no doubt, this morning. Um, but, no, I think we have got a really top young player there. I, I did speak to Piv briefly, actually. Um, I know we all miss him on these sort of podcasts now. He's not doing them as much these days. And, Asked him his thoughts, and he basically said, "Yeah, he is well regarded as like you know a real player with talent, but also to exercise a bit of caution because he's only 20. He's a very confident lad. He can clearly see that early doors with his interview and everything else. Um, but he's he's only a kid still, and we have to, I think Frank will. I don't think he'll throw him in straight away. For example, I think he'll bleed him in, um, particularly if we get Gay in as well. You know, and and, and Gay will obviously come you know, straight into the side pretty much straight away. I would imagine, but." Playing on his fitness, but I think, um, yeah, they're, let's be honest, mate. They're the type of signings we've been saying for ages that we want coming through the door. You know, we've looked on enviously the likes of Brighton, you know, and 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 you know, even the likes of Brentford and people like that. You know, you've made what you'd call like really astute signings, haven't they? You know, look at Brighton now with Basuma. They brought Basuma in, for, you know, for and they got him for like what was it ten, fifteen million? They've he's been brilliant for them. One of the best defensive mids in the league. They've sold him for 25, and then now they've got this Casado through that they got through a couple of years ago, but they've sent him out on loan, whatever. You know, he's arguably man of the match against United the other day. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's just being just being really sensible, isn't it? You know what I mean? I mean, bringing in this lad here, yes, we, you know, we may have overpaid for him initially. You know, you want to be getting him before, you know, before he moves to Lille, don't you, for like seven, eight million quid or something like that. But, you know, ultimately, we've brought a lad through. He's only 20. He's all the attributes we want. And look, if he performs to his, ta- you know, and we can we can get that talent out of him, and he performs to the level that people are saying he's capable of, you know, we could double our money on him in a, in, a, in two or three years, couldn't we? You know what I mean? And that's the whole point: is signing players, intelligent signings in the right age bracket, you know, ticking all the boxes in terms of attributes, with a view, you know, to potentially selling them on and then reinvesting and maybe signing two players with that. And that's how we've got to do it now. You know, that's the way FFP is. We're not the likes of Chelsea, unfortunately, and, and other clubs in the league can just go out and just spend 150 million every window. You know what I mean? So we have to be clever. And it, it clearly is now looking like finally the pennies dropped for Mashiri. He said he was going to stay away from proceedings indirectly. He's pretty much come out and said that. And these signings really strike me as being it's Kevin Thelwell and Lampard that are clearly, you know, involved in in in, in bringing these players in. You know, it, it doesn't stink of a Kajirabchin type link up, does it, with Mashiri and that? You know what I mean? It really looks like we're actually thinking about, you know, our actual transfer procedure here, rather than just going in and signing anyone that's available. There clearly is a thought process behind it. Yeah, I said it on on social media yesterday. I think it was, you know, in terms of we we seem to have a plan and a structure in place, and and both Frank Lampard and. And Kevin Thelwell are getting on with the job, which is which is great to see. You mentioned already, you know, we've got a mixture of ages. You know, we, we've got O'Nara who's coming, who's, who's 20, Dwight McNeil, young player. And you look at the other end of the scale when, you, when you've got the likes of, of Cody and, and Tarkowski. But it's what we need. You know, we, it, it's a good mix. Um, but you, you've, we've brought in O'Nara, who, like you say, in two or three years' time, if, if it goes to plan, he could be worth that 50, 60 million pounds and straight away you, you, you're making you're making clear profit, which is exactly what we've should have been doing over the last four or five years, which is what we haven't. But more importantly for me, we're bringing in a player who, like like Roberto Martinez said, you know, he's a hot prospect in Europe. He, he was sought after, but he's got the attributes that we've wanted in the middle of the park for many, many years. We've wanted a big, tall, rangy, athletic central midfielder to come into there and you know and and command command the area command the, the middle of the park break up play carry the ball he said himself he's comfortable to play anywhere in the middle you know whether that's defensive as a six or further forward as an eight you know to to, to make things happen really important message like you said he's 20 years of old uh, 20 years of old 20 years of age so we've got to be patient 
don't get on his back. Don't be start giving him stick. He's going to make mistakes. Of course he is. You know, this is a, a totally different league than the French League. So he's going to make mistakes. He's only made a handful of appearances really for Lille, if we're being perfectly honest. So let's give him the time to settle and get used to the Premier League. I can't see him being thrown in from the start on Saturday. I think if if, if Garner Gay goes through, then he'll probably come in. Obviously, Iwobi was terrific. We said that already. Against Chelsea, the core looked looked a lot better. So we could go with what we had um, and maybe change up who, who plays who plays up top. And then Cody might come in at the back, obviously, with the injuries that we've got. But in terms of Onana, I can't see him coming straight in. But we've got to be patient with him. We, we've got to allow him to, to develop and grow and full of confidence. He, he spoke really well, I think. They mentioned his confidence of being one of his, his main attributes and, and the fact that he's, he's his own biggest critic as well. So he's he's got he's got um high standards and you know he wants to be here, which is which is really important. And and like we said, it you know it's a coup for the club and it's a really, really positive sign and, and it's a kind of sign that we want to see more of as obviously Frank Lampard's time at the club and Kevin Thelwell's time at the club continues and uh, really, really exciting. Looking forward to seeing him develop. Um, I also like, you know, when Frank got interviewed, you asked, didn't he, uh, you know, about Anana, obviously, in the post-match, and he said, obviously, he's not fully a player yet, but, um, you know, player they've been tracking, they've been speaking to, obviously, earlier in the summer. I think they were initially told by Lille, from what we've heard, that, um, you know, he's not for sale, basically. And it took, really, West Ham to sort of, like, agree a, a sort of deal with the club for us to come back in. And like you said, that he clearly then made it very clear he was coming to us, which was, which was good because you'd think, you know, West Ham, you know, whilst they're not a bigger club, they're certainly a more stable club, aren't they, in the last couple of years under Moyes. And obviously, they had a really good run in Europe. They've got into Europe again. But to, to grab him there is a real coup for us, mate. It really is. Um, and hopefully, you know, he'll showcase that talent, um, uh, you know, on the pitch uh, over the next next couple of years at least. Uh, I think it's a real coup for us getting him in there. And like you said, with Gay, you know, he offers us obviously, you know, the work of almost two midfielders, doesn't he? Sometimes address a gay. So with him coming in there as well, suddenly our midfield looks a lot more. Well, it looks more balanced. It looks, mm. you know, it looks more solid. You know, in, in terms of athletes, and this lad's six foot. Was he six foot four, six foot five? He's going to carry a presence. He's going to carry a presence in both boxes as well, isn't he? Mm. You know what I mean, some guy that's obviously like, you know, if he's coming up with a corner, he's the same height as Jerry Mina. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and like you said, with the two centre halves, you know, the centre halves, as we know, tend to mature, don't they? As they get older, as players, you know, what I mean, they tend to hit their peak a bit later, and as they learn the game more and that. And the, these two signings strike me of the whole sort of Distan and Jagielka sort of signing them at a certain age, you know what I mean? And, and you know, if they keep themselves fit and healthy, which they clearly are, professionals, as you can see, uh, good professionals, then you could get four or five years out of them, you know, like we did with Distan and things like that. So. I think, again, just really astute signings. Um, obviously, hopefully get this gay one over the line. It seems to be a hold-up based on um, bonus payments that he's owed by PSG. Um, hopefully, that'll get sorted soon, you know, in time for the weekend. Because, um, you know, by no, that's going to be a tricky game, this. I know Villa got tonked at the week, or not tonked, but they were certainly outplayed. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, uh, this is their first home game of the season. Our record there is not the best, is it? You know what I mean? And we got turned over there last year relatively easily. So I think it'll be a tight game. Yeah, it will. And, and before we, we jump into that, as I say, we, we, we've had a, a couple more links to strikers. Um, obviously, Brozier's been the one out in front. He keeps on keeps on cropping up. Um, but today, like I say, just before we started recording, actually, the, the Che Adams link has come about via The Athletic and, and other, other outlets as well. Uh, a loan deal. Uh, with with a, a view to purchase at the end of that. Um, what what are your thoughts on him? I, I I quite like him in terms of his attributes personally. You know, he's quick, he's strong, he's powerful. Obviously, he hasn't got a particularly fantastic scoring record. Um, but I think he's done all right at Southampton. Apparently, they say officially they don't want to get rid of him, they don't want to sell. But apparently, behind closed doors, they 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 would let him leave. But what what are your thoughts on him? Do you think he would be a decent, not so much a placement for Calvert Lewin, but someone who can step into his shoes in the, in a in a in the shorter period. What Shea, you mean? Shea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's he's an interesting player, isn't he? Um, 
he's, he's aggressive, he's strong, he's good with his back to goal, he's got a decent shot on him, he's not a bad finisher. He's obviously, I don't think, on Dom's level, but I think in terms of, you know, if it is a loan, uh, what we can't be doing here, mate, is, you know, we clearly, obviously, Broge has been, uh, I think, near the top of the list all summer. What we can't be doing is, is being held at ransom by Chelsea and letting it go to the last day of the window. A, we'll have played nearly six, well, we would have played six games by then, five league games, one cup game. Um, B, obviously, then it could go to the last day of the window and then they decide to keep him because they can't get anyone else and they've let Werner go to Leipzig. I would have liked Werner. Plus, I know he's a different mould, Werner, but um, I think there's there's definitely a twenty goal striker there in Werner if he's given the, the service if he plays every week. Um, but yeah, by the by, I think Adams is 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 not a bad replacement if it's alone. But like, like Frank said in 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 his press, and he said, "Look, Dom's Dom's not going to be out forever." He said. Now, I didn't quite really like the sound. That almost struck me as being, "Well, we can hold on for now." until he comes back. Well, in reality, as Dom showed last year, sadly, you know, he's he suddenly become, from being a, you know, a relatively sort of robust striker, he's suddenly going to be an injury, regarded as an injury-prone striker, isn't he? And how that affects you mentally as well, Mike. Yeah, you know I mean, that'll affect him mentally. The rumours are that Benitez brought him back earlier than he should have been. Rumours are that he needed an off, apparently, and some, some medical team thought, and Benitez refused it. And then he broke down in training, didn't he? Uh, and Rafa was obviously, you know, let's be honest, probably at fault for that amongst the several other bloody things as well. But, um, but yeah, so that could affect Don mentally as well. When you do come back and you're constantly breaking down, it's hard to then trust your body, isn't it, to sort of throw yourself into things, to sprint after balls and all that. So I feel for Dom in a way, I really do, because it means there's very little, little chance of him going to the World Cup now as well. Um, so, so, yeah, I think Shea wouldn't be a bad option. Uh, you know me, I, 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 Brozier I would like. I think Brozier, whilst he's young, you know, he, he came on the other day, looked a big lad, he can, he's got a turn of pace. He's got a bit of both about him, really. He can run in behind, he can hold it up. Um, but I, I quite like Dennis, as you know. I mean, obviously, I, he's not going to set the world alight, but some of the early sort of highlights I've seen at Watford, he's looked really good, even at the start of this season. Um, and he sort of travels with the ball more than sort of Dom does and things like that. And he is quite strong with his back to goal. He's sort of a an all-round striker himself, really. So, I know the Dennis rumours have quietened down quite a bit, haven't they? Maybe they obviously want a bit too much up front and we can be prepared to pay by the looks of it. Yeah, I think they have gone a little bit quiet. Um, one that's cropped up today, again, out, out of nowhere, is the the Stabden, uh, striker, Sehu Garassi. Never, I can't say I know much about him uh, at all. You know, he looks, looks a big, strong lad, I think 26 years of age. Um, nine goals last season um, for in the in the French league. So it, he obviously hasn't set the world alight, but I think he's got similar attributes to to Dom. Um, people saying in certain outlets, don't know how true it is, that that one seems to be quite far along in terms of, of sorting that out. I think they want a permanent deal, whatever, and are looking to try and again get get a loan, get a loan sorted. So you can see, you know, the the, the makeup and the mould of the striker that we're looking at. We're looking at somebody who's a bit more like Dom, you know, like a target man, but athletic, bit of pace, um, and hopefully, you know, a decent, a decent finish here, and someone who can occupy centre halves, which is what didn't happen against Chelsea at the weekend. We need to to give centre halves a bit of an issue, and you know, a physical battle and um, difficult for the lads, obviously, on Saturday with the the, the players Chelsea have got, um, but obviously. Hard to comment on on this lab because we no one's seen a great deal of them at all. But like I said, it's it's those kind of attributes that we're looking looking to try and bring bring into the club because it fits perfectly into Frank Lampard's system that we're we're currently playing. Yeah, he's, he's got a one in three ratio, and I think he scored eighteen goals in fifty five, and he so one in three, um, which is roughly what obviously uh, Richarlison had during his time at Everton. Like you, I've not seen much of him. Um, we've always said on this podcast, you know, and. and um, France is a great breeding ground for, for, for players that, are, you know, suit the Premier League very well. You know what I mean? In terms of producing players with, with pace and power and things like that's needed in the Premier League in a lot of cases. And, you know, um, you know let, let's see how it plays out. I certainly want to try and see us get someone in before. I think it's midday on, it has to be midday on Friday, doesn't it, in order to play in time for Saturday. So I hope to God we can try and get someone in before then. Because, you know, whilst Rondon is back, he's certainly not the answer. Um, and you know he, he maybe even start he might even start at the weekend, which you know fills me with a little bit of dread um, because 
you know, like I said before, it won't be an easy game. And um, we do need someone in, ideally this week, if we can, if we're being selfish and a bit greedy, we want someone in. Right, certainly, if not this week, next week, and not running into the last last sort of few days of the window, in it. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it's important to get, you know, with Zuzagan again before the weekend. Um, hopefully, that can be sorted. Like you say, it's to do with sevens pay bonus pay from PSG. So hopefully, we can, we can get that one sorted. But we're going to just take our final break and have a quick chat about Saturday's game, early kickoff against Aston Villa. Uh, after this short break. Welcome back to the final part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. And it's looking ahead now, Aston Villa, Saturday, 12.30 kickoff of Villa Park. First away game of the season. Always great to get the first away game under our belts. Um, difficult place to go for ourselves in, in recent years, it's got to be said. We haven't done particularly well. Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting one, obviously. Aston Villa went away to Bournemouth, first game of the season and, and lost. I don't think many people, many people saw that. Um, spent a lot of money, Aston Villa as well, which sometimes goes a little bit unnoticed. You know, we had a little chat before, didn't we, about about that? Um, it's a the old Gerard against Lampard situation where the media likes to whip it up into something maybe more than it than it actually is. Um, but what are your thoughts on Villa Lee in, in terms of you know what they've done under Gerard in terms of where they are? Do, do you think sometimes they get away with things a little bit? because of who their manager is? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, because, you know, any other manager, I think, in that scenario, most managers in that scenario, certainly if it was Frank, for example, or they'd be getting absolutely scrutinised. You know, um, he's got a win ratio very similar to Gary Neville, as it was widely shown on social media the other day at Valencia. And obviously we all know what happened there, and he was sort of ridiculed Neville, wasn't he, for his time there. Um, but Stevie, he's a weird one because obviously he went to Rangers. He did a decent job there in obviously a, you know, a smaller league, a less competitive league. But they did all right in Europe when he was there as well. Um, they obviously stopped the, you know, the, the sort, of, uh, sort of Celtic train and obviously managed to nick a title as well. I've always felt from afar he spoke really well, Steve and Gerard. You know, especially in his press conferences and his, his pre and post matches. He's always come across very honest. Um, and you know, clearly, maybe you know, a, a talented young manager, but you know, there's clearly problems at the club at the minute. There's a, there's a well documented fallout with Tyrone Mings, he's now potentially uh going to be out of the club. Um, there's rumors today knocking about that. Uh, you know, Ollie Watkins has apparently got a fractious relationship with him. Um, and he potentially Watkins may end up uh, leaving the club before the window as well. The same, there's rumors, obviously. Um, and they've almost fallen into the trap a little bit of kind of what Everton did is signing players at the wrong end of their ages. You know, they've obviously brought Coutinho in, who started really well, but then has done next to nothing since. Um, he's obviously on a really high wage as well. Um, and then they've signed players, obviously, uh, at the high rate, at higher age uh, brackets as well. Um so it's a really interesting one. It really is. Um, and, and, you know, they, they were really poor against Bournemouth again at the weekend. You know, everyone, like you said, would have thought they would have actually won that game. You know, Leon Bailey has looked brilliant in pre-season. Um, and, you know, he, he's obviously clearly a player with a lot of talent. We know that. You know, he, he scored against us last season and, had you know, unfortunately for them, hamstring injuries and, and things like that. So he didn't really play too much for them last season. But, you know, they've they've... It's a really, it's a really strange one in terms of uh, there clearly isn't a happy camp, is it? Um, and uh, you know we've got to be careful as well. Like I said, our record there in recent years has not been the best. I think one of our most complete ever away performances was there a good few years ago, wasn't it when we scored three um, and we played outstanding that day. That was a good few years ago. That um, and you know we were like the complete team that day. But other than that, I can't remember us really having a great record there, and, and it's. It's one of those sort of tricky games. Like I said, we got turned over there last year uh, in a relatively close game. And obviously, Cash managed to nick that goal, didn't he? And then they got another goal on the counter through Bailey. Um, so the first goal is going to be vital because it'll be a tight game. Um, and we've just got to try and nick that first goal. And I think that, that'll get, I think in turn, you'll see the fans turn on them a little bit. But in answer to your question anyway about Gerard, I, I hate this media obsession in comparing him and Lampard because they compared them all the time when they played at club level and for England, obviously. 
Um, and they're doing it now, seems to be doing it now as, as, as managers. And, and, and it's, it's a ridiculous comparison. It's like pathetic journalism again. You know what I mean? It's just like Frank is coming to a very different situation. A club that was in, you know, in real trouble and he's managed to turn it around just. Um, and he's going to need time to bring his players in. Stevie's been in there. He's had time to bring some of his players in. And they've arguably got worse. They finished the season really poorly last season. They, were in, they ended up plummeting down the table, didn't they? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what you think, but there clearly isn't, like I said, a happy camp there at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a few a few um, Villa fans on social media. We, we follow a couple of the, the accounts who do podcasts and things, things like that. And there's a little bit of unrest within the fan base, to be honest, in terms of Steven Gerrard and, and what he's done since he's been there. And again, you know, it's, I suppose it's early days, to be honest, and it's, it's not for us to sit here and judge. It's not, not our club. Um, but I think it, most definitely last season, I think the performance of Villa went under the radar in terms of how poor it was, in terms of money they'd spent. And, you know, he had, he had, the, worst, he had the worst win percentage than Frank Lampard. And you wouldn't have known about it because the media never reported it. It was always about Frank Lampard and what he was doing. And the fact, you know, like you said earlier on, you know, favoured to be to be sacked first. And, you know, it's all all a bit of a nonsense, really. You know, let, let, let both managers get on with the job, really, is what, what the media should be doing. But I suppose it sells sells papers and, and things like that. But um, I think, you know, on, on the whole, it's you know, both sides, as, as we said, started the season with a defeat. Both sides are going to be keen to go out there and and get something from the game. I think you know get a point on the board. I think for us a point would be fine, and you know that's not negative. That's just you know being honest. I think if we can go away from home and get get a point and and get things kicked off you know, before we we face Forest uh, the weekend after at Goodison, I think it's really important that we do that. We're, we're solid. We're resolute. I think you know with with Connor Cody coming in um, into that back three, I think we will be. Um, you know, and like you know, we've, we've obviously got a Nana who, who we can uh, consider hopefully a Tisagana gay. Um, you said they Rondon, obviously not the answer, but he's back. It's another body, someone who can play that central striker role if needed. Um, so th- there's going to be more options for us, I think, when it comes to the game on Saturday. But I'm just looking for again another another good solid performance. A good away performance. We struggled so often, as we know, last season away from home. We were so poor, and um, so I'm just looking for an improvement in terms of the level of our away performance compared to what we saw. I mean, obviously, I was there at Leicester last season, which was fantastic. What you know, great win, atmosphere was unbelievable. But you know, a lot of our away games were like that in terms of we were just holding on. You know, we were holding on because we had to. We were just trying to pick up points. Uh, like to see just play with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more invention. And you know, play on the counter with, with pace and put them under pressure. You know, there's no no reason why we can't go there and win the game. Um, and as I say, a lot of positivity from last weekend. Really important we build on that. Um, fans obviously sells again as per. It should be should be a, a great occasion for 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 the Everton fans hopefully and and a good performance. Um, but what are your thoughts on on results? What are you going for? Um, yeah, I think you summed up nicely there. I, I... I think it'll be it will be um, a tight game because obviously you know they clearly uh, are struggling up front as well. Ollie Watkins is not scoring goals. They started with Danny Ings uh, up there the other day with obviously Coutinho on one side, Bailey on the other. I do like Bubakar Kamara. I think that's a very good signing for him. Quite a few clubs are sniffing around him and they managed to get him. He's only 22 from Marseille. Um, I think that's a clever signing. Um, but yeah. I, it's one of those, like I said before, it's a tight game, isn't it? And in the end, that first goal that Mighty Cash got last year changed the whole game. So we need to, we need to sort of try and grab that first goal. You know, it does fill me with confidence more that we're more solid than we seem to be, or even early doors. Um, so yeah, I mean, look at the moment, you probably with the start that we've had, we'd, you'd probably take a point, worst case, um, just to get on the board and 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 go from there. But um, um, I, just, I just have a feeling we're just due a win there, mate. I, I'm, I'm going to say 2-1 Everton. I think we might just nick it. I think we might just nick it. But we, but we do need to certainly carry more of a goal for it. Yeah. I, I hope you're right. You know, I think it will be a tight game. I really do. I say both sides eager to, to, to get something on the board. I think it'll be a draw. I think one all. And I think we'll be quite satisfied with that, to be honest with you. Just go away with a point. Kick things off. Point on the board. Um 
and like I said, a, a strong and solid solid performance. Um, but fingers crossed for a positive result. Um, that's us for today. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. As I say, we had a little bit of time off, but we're, we're back. Uh, and we're going to be back as well this weekend, as normal, be Sunday, to look back on the Villa game and, and look ahead to, to Nottingham Forest at Goodison Park the week after. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.